And I'm not weird, I'm gifted. That's, that's what we're, our sermon series is about, is um, the spiritual gifts. And um, I actually am a little weird. My friend Vicki and Mike would say that. Because we're weird together. We're weird together, that's why. Um, but talking about the spiritual gifts for some people is a little weird. And when you see people operating in spiritual gifts, sometimes you think it's a little weird. The first time I heard someone speak in tongues, I was sitting before this church was ever planted. We were at Grace. They were standing behind me during the service, started speaking in tongues. And my, pretend you're behind me. I mean, it was like, I didn't know what to do. I was like, I don't, what is he doing? I thought, this guy's having a seizure or something. I didn't know what it was. Again, I wasn't gr- brought up in the church. I, we didn't talk about spiritual gifts in my family because no one really knows what they are. And so I thought he was weird. Well, he is a little weird, but he was even weirder, Right. Because I didn't know what it was. And so a lot of times we look at these spiritual gifts when we start talking about prophecy and speaking in tongues and interpretation. We think they're weird. But they're gifts that God gives us. And if we learned last week with House that if we have Jesus inside of us, we have access to all the power that God has. And that includes all the spiritual gifts, miracles, healings, um, tongues, interpretations, prophecy, mercy, faith. All of those, those are at our fingertips. We just have to believe that we have access to them, and we do. So um, today is going to be kind of a, a little history lesson, but then we're going to go and kind of explain a few of the, well, 19 of the gifts that are in some passages that we've been reading. So the use of spiritual gifts in the church, they have been going on heavily used in the first part of the church life. Um, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, Old Testament, God was giving spiritual gifts out for particular times, for particular people, for just particular instances. So when we, he wanted to build the Ark of the Covenant and the tabernacle, he gave each person different gifts to get a job done. Right? The first set of, I was thinking about it even while we were singing, the first set of spiritual gifts were given to Adam and Eve. Why? They were supposed to take care of the Garden of Eden. That was a gift God gave them that they were to do to bring glory and honor to God. That's what a spiritual gift is. It's a gift that God gives us to bring glory and honor to him. And so Adam and Eve started it all. They screwed it up, but they started it all. And so then he had to give them other gifts, working the land. You know, they gave their sons different gifts to, and so on and so forth. You're going to be a hunter. You're going to be a farmer. Those are gifts he's giving us. And where they don't sound fancy, you know, it's like, okay, so I'm a farmer. So I'm going to, you know, have a farm. That doesn't sound very exciting. But it is when you do it all for the glory and honor of God. Then it can become exciting. And you get to use your hands in a miraculous way. Because not everybody can grow food from the gland. I know some of you in here have very brown thumbs. And some of you are shaking your hands. They're raising hand, shaking head, heads and raising hands. Um, some of us, like Linda and I, can grow things. And, you know, when we do, it's like, ah, oh, God, you're so good. Here, look at this. I planted this little tiny seed, and now I have food for my family. What a gift that God gives us. So in the Old Testament, he was giving out gifts like crazy. Um, New Testament comes. Jesus was imparting spiritual gifts on everybody. When the Holy Spirit come, everyone started to prophesy, dream dreams, and speak in tongues. And so it was when you received Jesus Christ, when you received the Holy Spirit, then your gifts were imparted on you. So you could operate in the gifts. And then for the into the 400s, they were even st- still doing gifts. And there's this funny um, story, how sent it to me, Augustine City of God, the 400s. It's a really long story. So I'm not going to read it all, but I'm going to read you the last bit of it because it's kind of funny. Um, this guy was really sick. We're just going to say this. This guy was really sick. He had to have an operation, which he was terrified of. And I'm thinking in the 400s, I would be terrified too because they probably just kind of did whatever in the middle of your living room. So they fixed him all up, and they're like, yes, you're going to be healed. And he was still having problems. Well, they missed a spot, which is never good. 
when you're having surgery, they missed a spot. And so he was terrified to have surgery again, obviously, because he's in pain and he's just, he'd rather be dead than alive at this point because he's still in pain. He's still suffering. He's now fearful of the doctors. So he brings in other doctors and they're like, oh no, now we can heal you with medicine. You don't have to have another operation. So let's do all these things. Well, he's getting worse. So he brings in yet another doctor who examines him carefully and examines the stitch work of the other doctors and concludes the other doctors did a really good job. And he says, go back to your doctors. But the only way you're going to get well is to have another surgery. And so he consents. But through all this, the, the um, bishops and the elders were coming from the church and they were um, praying for him. And so the night before surgery, this is, um, the writer says, then we went to prayer. But while we, in the usual way, were kneeling and bending to the ground, he, the patient, cast himself down as if someone were hurling him violently to the earth and began to pray. But in what a manner, with what earnestness and emotion, with what a flood of tears, with what groans and sobs that shook his whole body and almost prevented him from speaking. I'm guessing he was praying in tongues at this point because he could not speak. Because groans and sobs, that is a type of tongue, speaking in tongues. Who can describe, prevented him from speaking? Who can describe this? They couldn't even describe it, so that's why I figured it was in tongues. Whether the others prayed and had not um, their attention wholly diverted by this conduct, I do not know. For myself, I could not pray at all. This I only briefly said in my heart, O Lord, what prayers of your people do you hear if you hear not these? For it seemed to me that nothing could be added to this prayer unless the expired he expired in prayers. We rose from our knees and receiving the blessings of the bishop departed, the, the patient beseeching his visitors to be present next morning, they exhorting him to keep his heart up. The dreaded day dawned. The servants of God were present as they had promised to be. The surgeons arrived. All that, all that the circumstances required was ready. The frightful instruments, frightful instruments. That's a great way to surgical instruments. Frightful instruments were produced. All looked on in wonder and suspense. While those who have most influence with the patient are cheering his fainting spirit. Could you imagine? You're going to be fine. I don't know what they said. They're cheering his fainting spirit. His limbs are arranged on the couch so as to suit the hand of the operator. The knots of the bandages are untied. Isn't this suspenseful? Don't you want to know what happens? The part is bared. The surgeon examines it and with a knife in hand eagerly looks for the sinus that is to be cut. He searches for it with his eyes. He feels with it for his fingers. He applies every kind of scrutiny. He finds a perfectly form. He finds a perfectly firm cicatrix. I don't even know what that is. Anybody know anatomy? I, I took anatomy and physiology. I don't know what that is. Hemorrhoids? That's what it was? Oh, I was thinking it was more like intestinal. This guy had hemorrhoids of all things. My goodness. Wow. No words. <laughs> I'm sorry. Not a good time to find out that's what it was. I should have known that last night. No words of mine can describe the joy and praise and thanksgiving to the merciful and almighty God, which was poured from the lips of all with tears of gladness. Let the scene be imagined rather than described. <laughs> imagined rather than described. Healing happened because this man threw himself on the ground and went after God. That's how powerful. Our prayers are, and that's how powerful our God is. He can heal us when we're ill. And this continued for the next thousand years. And then something happened in the 1500s, and the Roman church, the Roman church continued to have healing and um, exorcisms and deliverance and prophecy in the church. That was part of what they did on a daily. And that happened until the 1500s when the Pro Protestant Reformation happened. Now, today is Reformation Sunday, right? I know. Vicki told me. My friend Vicki told me because I forgot and we were supposed to wear red and I wore red. I didn't know. <laughs> so today is Reformation Sunday. And so now Reformation Sunday, what we um, 
celebrate is Martin Luther tacking up his 99 thesis and really changing the church and how we see it. The Protestant Reformation also did a number on the church. They didn't like the Pope. They didn't want the Pope having so much power, and they were worried that because God was revealing things to the Pope and to his followers, that they were going to start adding to the Bible. And so they started saying, no, sola scriptura, word alone. The Bible is sufficient as it is written. We do not need to add or take anything away. We need to just depend on the Bible. And when the last word was written, God stopped talking. The spiritual gifts stopped because we didn't need him because now we had scripture. Now, in the Bible, in Revelations, it does say, do not add or take anything away from this word. Was that just for Revelation? Was that for the whole scripture? We don't know. But we do know that scripture says that we have access to all these gifts. So the Protestant Reformation started to make the use of spiritual gifts and it became kind of unholy. It was out of bounds for us to touch. And so it became very limited within the church. Did people still operate in the gifts? Yes. They did it in secret. They did it in hiding. They did it underground. You know, we hear about underground churches. They did it underground. They did not show it. And that continued on for about a thousand years. Oh, no, 4,000 years. 400 years. Oh, my gosh. Ah! Faith. I know, a long time. Okay, 400 years. So 1500s, scripture became limited. Faith became more intellectual. Now, we've all seen those intellectual religious people, right? All of their knowledge is up here. They know scripture and they can tell you scripture. Their prayers are very rote. They're very online. This is what I pray every day. There's no room for the spirit. There's no room for God to speak because it's intellectual. And that's what happened to the church. And we still see that influence on our churches today. Not all churches are like that. We'll get into that. But that's what happened. So in 1906, Right here in L.A., our backyard, the Azusa Street um, Revival happened. And that's when we started looking into the spiritual gifts again and rediscovering them and how to use them. And that God still speaks today, which was amazing. And how many thousands of people came to know who God was and believed in Christ. And they started having people prophesying on the street and speaking in tongues. And Holy Spirit was moving rampantly through this group and it spurred on the churches that we now have today the charismatic and the pentecostal church comes from that revival um and the church started to listen to god's direct voice now not just the bible but listening for god's voice and that's what we do here in this church now there's two rules of thumbs and two arguments there's the sensationist and the continuous continuationness these words, house that sometimes you give me are crazy. Um, the sensationists are kind of um, like the Baptist Church, John John MacArthur followers. Um, this, uh, they are the gifts used were were um, only for the Bible times, biblical times. They stopped when the last word of the Bible was written. Um, no more. You don't hear from God. Um, you don't. Holy Spirit doesn't really do much. And so it's the Bible, word alone, Bible. The continuationists, like us, believe that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and and forever, and that is from Hebrews 13.8. We believe that the gifts are for now. They never ceased, but they continued going, that God speaks to us now, and um, and that we can, through Christ, have access to all of God's power. We also believe in word alone. We do believe that the Bible and what it says is important. But it's not always going to tell us everything we need. God has to speak to us and reveal to us. How many times have we um, prayed and asked the Lord to guide us or direct us, giving us answers? And he has. Sometimes 
he will reveal it in his word. He'll say, go look at this passage and reveal it in his word. Sometimes he will answer indirectly by having someone come up to you and talk to you about something. And sometimes he'll just tell you right off. He uses a lot of different ways, but he talks to us. He always talks to us. I think about our church. We go to God and we sit and we listen. We just had a meeting on Tuesday night where we take time to sit and listen. What is God saying to us? That's how we continue to move forward. That's how we pivoted when this COVID stuff happened is because we listened to God and God directed us and guided us. So sensationist, continuationist, two, it's the gutter ball things, right? You can be as a sensationist where the gift stopped or you can do the continuationist. Actually, that's kind of in the middle. Or you can go to the far extreme, which is sensationist on steroids, where it's all tongues and prophecy all the time. Um, but really, continuationist is just what I think God has planned for all of us. So um, that's that one. Uh, let's go on. Jack Hayford. I love Jack Hayford. Met him a couple times now. Um, and here's his argument to the sensationist. You say the Bible is sufficient. Well, it's from the Bible that I get the idea that God wants us to operate in the spiritual gifts, which is true. God tells us in the Bible to operate in the spiritual gifts. He never tells us not to. He tells us to go. He tells us, Jesus tells us, that we will do more things than him. So if he's performing miracles and healings and all that, he's telling us we're going to do more. So the Bible tells us that. So in this world, we're crazy. We are living in a secular world that doesn't, um, that the spiritual has kind of fallen to the wayside. I've seen it in churches, which is very sad, but just in the world in general where people are disenchanted with church, with the spirit, with God, with Christ. Um, and so we need to re-enchant our minds and our spirit to believe more in God and his gifts for us. And to do that, we need a Berean spirit. Um, from Acts 17.10 through 15, Paul had just left Thessalonica, thank you, I could say it usually, um, because they were, they were troublemakers, as always with Paul, chasing him out. So as soon as it was night, they're chasing him out, so he's got to be careful, <coughs> the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now the Berean Jews were a more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received a message with great eagerness and examined scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. As a result, many of them believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women. I love that Paul puts the Greek prominent Greek women first, and many Greek men. Yay, Paul! Thank you for upholding women. Because it was important to know that Greek women were studying scriptures. They were believing in Christ. They were operating in the spirit. They were operating in spiritual gifts. That's what I'm excited about. But when the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God in Berea, some of them went there too, agitating the crowds and stirring them up. Those people. The believers immediately sent Paul to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed in Berea. Those who escorted Paul brought him to Athens and then left with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join him as soon as possible. Um, Paul often left people behind to continue the teaching and to encourage and to exhort the church. So that's why they stayed behind. So we need to have a Berean spirit. We needed to get into that daily Bible reading. They were eager and read the scripture day and night, searching for the truth. They searched scripture for the truth. That's where we know. Don't listen to House and I, right? But take our words with a grain of salt. Take what we say and go back to scripture to see if what we say is true. I try to always be, and so does House, try to be biblically based. Do we screw up sometimes? Yeah, we do. And sometimes we get it wrong. And House and I have talked about that. We've had people say, hey, we thought this 
oh, you know, that's a good point. And that's okay. So sit, search scripture for the truth. Don't just rely on man to tell you what it says. And get, get that intimate relationship with God. Those are the things we need to dive deep into the gifts of the Spirit. So daily Bible reading. We give you a daily, daily Bible reading. House is holding up the, the sheet. For October, November, December, you're set. You don't have to think about it. You look at your thing. Oh, today we're on this. And read it. Easy peasy, right? If someone says something to you, if somebody gives you a prophetic word, search it out in scripture. Search, Ask God. Have that intimate relationship with God so that he can talk to you and show you if that is true or not, if that word is for you. Now, for the gifts, there are diversity of gifts, but the same spirit. There are a bunch of gifts mentioned in the Bible. Last week, House gave us a list, like the Christmas Sears catalog. Where you can write all your lists down for Christmas. I just got one for Target. It was really fun. It was all toys. And I looked through it, and I thought, I am not a kid, but, man, this is fun to look through. It reminded me of my childhood. Um, so the list, write this down, so because you're going to want to go back and look at it. Romans 12, 6 through 8, Ephesians 4 and 11, and 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 11. So why am I telling you about the history? Why am I telling you about having a Berean spirit? We need to know how to operate in these gifts. We need to know what the gifts are. And that's what I'm going to do next. So everybody at your chair has a piece of paper. It's square. And what I want you to do is either fold it in thirds or draw lines and make it in thirds. Whatever floats your boat, okay? Either way is fine with me. And I'm going to have to go through these fast because I just looked at the clock and I'm already over. Sorry, but there is so much to tell you about spiritual gifts, and House and I get really excited about it. So what I want you to do in the first third is put gifts I operate in. The second third, gifts I want to operate in. And the third box, gifts I don't want. Because guess what? There are gifts that you think are probably freaky or weird, or you say, I just don't want to operate in that, and it's okay. It is okay. So the first gift, and I didn't do them separate, so just hang with me, is administration. Um, when I took, I've taken spiritual gifts classes and tests and all that. This is my highest gift, administration. What do you think of when you think of administration? Paperwork. Me too. I tried and tried and tried never to have this spiritual gift. Why? I didn't want it. This would be one I don't want until I started digging deeper into it. And then I said, Ooh, I like this gift. So administration, the Greek word for administration is kubanesis. It means shipmaster or captain. Ooh, yeah, that got your attention, huh? To steer, to rank, to rule, to govern. Close in leadership, but more goal-oriented, detailed, and organizational. Now, if anyone's ever been in a meeting with me, this fits me to a T, doesn't it? I hate when we start getting off goals and getting off track and taking the rabbit trails house. And then you get Kim and House together. Oh, my head spins. And I have to, I just take deep breaths and I pray. Because my administration gifting is having a hissy fit because we are so way off topic that it's driving me crazy. So administration, is that one you operate in? Is that one you want? Or is it one you say, mm -mm, no. Apostleship. Um, these are people like our church in um, Canada. The well, what's, which one? Wild Rose Country. Hey, guys. Um, Mita, you are an apostle because you're planting new churches. They um, are apostleship gifting. You're operating that because you plant new ministries and churches. They're missionaries, church planters. Um, they go where the word of God has not been taught. So a lot of our missionaries are have the gift of apostleship. They want to go into those areas that other people haven't reached, or they want to plant new churches. When we planted this church, those of us on the committee we're using our gift and operating our gift of apostleship. 
because we were planting this church out of another church. None of us thought we were that, but that's what we were. Um, next one, number three, is discernment. Um, Greek is diakesis. Holy Spirit gives discernment to enable us to clearly recognize and distinguish between the influence of God, Satan, the world, and our own flesh in any giving, given circumstance. Have you ever gone into a circumstance and you kind of go, something's not right here? God's giving you the, you're operating in the gift of discernment. You're discerning that this isn't a God thing. This is something else. That's what discernment is. Again, put it, is it one you operate in, one you want, or one you don't want? And you don't have to write every single one in a box, but it's kind of nice to do that. Um, evangelism. Evangelists are um, those who bring good news clearly and effectively communicate the, and communicate the gospel. They have a heavy burden for the lost. Those are the people, um, I think houses, you're, you've, work and you operate in evangelism. He loves to knock on doors, he and Keith. And that's trying to reach the lost. They like to go and just pray for people and um, and tell them about God and who God is. And that is the gift of evangelism. Exhortation. The Greek word, oh, I forgot the exhortation is, um, eugal, I cannot pronounce these words, eugalistus. And then exhortation is parakaleo, and that's to encourage and strengthen, uplift and motivate others, as well as challenge and rebuke them. So if someone's doing something, you're going to challenge them, but you're going to do it in a way that's going to uplift them. I've told you about one of my bosses who could tell you you're doing a stinky job, and you've come out feeling like a million bucks, like you're the best employee in the whole wide world. He had the gift of exhortation because he could build you up, but yet he could still challenge you and rebuke you in the job you're doing. I don't know if he was a Christian, but he had that gifting. And it was a wonderful thing to see because I saw it with other people as well. Um, it's all to help people grow in their spirituality and their closeness of God. So everything, right back to God. Faith. Now, we all have a saving faith when we accepted Christ, right? But this is a little bit different. Uh, the Greek word is pistis. It's confidence, certainty, trust, and assurance in the object of faith. Having trust and confidence in God that allows you to live boldly and do great works of faith. So it's something that when you have faith, when we've seen this in people, there are certain people, um, Woody was one, that has great faith. He has a faith in Christ. We all have faith in Christ. But his faith is so powerful, he operates in the gift of faith by he hears something, God's going to take care of it. I don't have to worry. Where those of us that don't necessarily operate in this gift are concerned and we're worried. You see the difference. So it's someone that totally trusts God in everything, in every circumstance, has no worry or anything like that. So um, they take God at his word and put, um, I can't read my own writing. I don't know what that says. Um, you expect God to handle, God to move, and not surprised when God answers his prayer. I can't tell you how many times I go, I am so surprised. Why should I be surprised that God answered or did something? But yet I'm surprised. I need to work on my faith gift. That's what I need to do. That's what it, after reading this and doing this, um, I need to work on that. Giving. Um, the Greek word is maltodionomi. Eh. Impart and to give. It's The goal is to encourage and provide um, and to give all credit to God and his love and his provision. So it's giving of self, giving of money, giving of time. It's giving unselfishly. And when you do it, you give it in love. You give to bring glory to God. It's not something that we're going to get back. It's not something to make us look good. It's not for us to get praise. It's all about giving so that God gets glory. Doing it in love. Um, when you do something, because um, I know a lot of you do this and you don't um, say much about it, 
but you maybe see someone on the street, you give them food. That's a giving spirit because you're caring for somebody, but you don't make a big deal of it, right? Heart of giving. Healing. Told you there's a lot of them. Healing. Um, we're going to go deeper into this one. There's three of them that we're going to go really deep in. Um, so healing's one of them. The Greek is a plural word. It's charismata, imaton, gifts of healing. So it's gifts of healing. Um, people are compassionate and they want to um, be with the sick and pray over them. They have a lot of compassion for people that are ill or have disease. And they pray continually for them. They actually walk with them through things. And um, what we need to know is not always when we pray for healing is it going to happen. Because sometimes God needs us to walk through our infirmities and our sufferings. And um, that's a hard one. Because there's times I prayed for healing and it didn't happen. And we don't understand why. But, you know, you move forward five years and you look back and you see what God did in those times and we can give all glory to God. So we'll go more into healing. Um, interpretation of tongues. Again, this one we will, um, this one we'll go into more deeper detail. Um, the Greek word is harmonio. It's interpret, explain, or expound. It's a supernatural ability to understand, explain messages uttered in an unknown language. I had this happen once. And only once somebody was speaking in another language, I have, I do not know the language, but I answered him in English. And somebody around me said, hey, I didn't know you spoke, I, don't, I think it was German, I don't know if it was German or what, German, I don't. Well, how did you answer him? Well, he was speaking English to me. No, he was speaking German. That was an interpretation God gave me for that moment and it wasn't nothing, it wasn't anything big, but I was able to interpret the language he spoke to me, not knowing the language, and answer him in English. It was kind of crazy. It was on a Corsillo weekend, so we all know who the German speaking is. Um, Jan Stolzenberg. And so he spoke to me in German, and I answered him in English. It was kind of crazy. Um, number 10 is knowledge. Uh, Greek is nosia, nosi. It's knowledge and understanding. It allows believers to relate to scripture um, and aspects and um, all aspects of life in this world. So it's an understanding far beyond us. It's a spiritual understanding of things, of God's word and um, the things that are happening. Um, have you ever just known something and you just know it? You don't know where it came from. That's the gift of knowledge. Next one, leadership. Um, is, I'm not even going to pronounce the Greek word, it's lead, assist, protect, and care for others. Um, it's very similar to administration and also shepherding and pastoring, but leadership is more um, oriented towards people rather than um, organizational and goals, things like as administration. Um, it's helping people grow in a deeper relationship with God and with each other. So the leaders of this church are whole goal is to help you develop a more intimate and deeper relationship with God and with each other. That's why it's so important to come to church so that we can bond together in a deeper relationship, a spiritual relationship, not just through a screen. And I know some of you can't come because you're in Canada or Minnesota and that's okay. But those of you that are local, we need, as leaders, we want you here so that we can help you develop in relationships, not only with God, but with each other. So that's what leadership is. Um, number 10 is, or number 12, is mercy. Yeesh. Mercy. Um, Elio is the Greek word. Be patient. It's someone that's patient and compassionate, um, that wants um, to those that are, mercy is people, people that can be patient and compassionate to those that are suffering and going through great trials. Um, they have a lot of empathy for others and um, can help walk through their trials with them and their sufferings. They, um, they are truly the hands and feet of God. And you've heard of people like this. Um, Kathy has a great deal of mercy for people. I have a great deal of mercy. Sometimes the gift of mercy is a burden because we feel too much. 
and it can kind of suck us dry. So I'm very careful with my gifting of mercy. But um, mercy is for those that are very compassionate and just want to walk beside and walk through suffering and trials with other people. Miracles. Um, it's a Greek phrase, ergonot dynamion. And I'm sorry for all those Greek scholars out there. I'm just totally obliterating these. The literal translating is working of powers. So our first miracle, remember Jesus, Jesus' first miracle, water into wine. Um, miracle of Jesus' birth, really, is a miracle. Um, the Holy Spirit overshadowed a virgin, and she became pregnant, and Jesus was born. Um, so miracles happen throughout the Bible. Moses leading the, the Israelites through the desert, he struck a rock and water came out. Food came from the sky, manna fell from heaven. Those are all miracles that have happened. Um, so it's working powers. It's a double plural. And there most likely means that gifts were diverse and were not permanently um, available. So um, like manna from heaven, that was for a time. We haven't had manna from heaven. Doesn't mean it won't happen again, but that was for a time. That miracle was for a time when the Israelites needed food as they walked through the desert. Um, and miracles are there to create a, an awe and a sense of wonder and a really a godly fear of God. So um, it's kind of a shock value, per se, but used to bring glory and honor again to God. So that is miracles. We're almost done, people. Pastor and shepherd. Um, the Greek is poimen, and a shepherd or overseer, it carries many different responsibilities. It could te be teaching. It could be guiding. It could be protecting. It could be leading. Um, the one big thing about a pastor and shepherd, we are servants first. So we serve whoever the people here in the church um, if you were a shepherd and watching over the sheep, you serve your sheep by protecting them and feeding them. And that's what we do here as pastors and shepherds. We want to protect you. We want to feed you God's word. We want to uplift you. We want to encourage you. That's all part of pastoring and shepherding. So pastoring and shepherding. Um, prophecy. This is one we're going to be going over in just a few weeks because it's a doozy, right? Um, the Greek word is prophetia. It's the ability, ability to receive of a divine inspired message and deliver it to others in the church or as individuals. Um, it's given to make, um, prophecy is given to make God's heart known and to edify the church. So prophecy can be warnings. It can be uplifting. It can be, um, um, it's, it's not like, um, I was going to say, it's not like a psychic who's going to tell you all about your life. It's um, foretelling about God's promises, really, and about things that can happen to bring glory and honor to God. And again, everything comes back to glory and honor to God. So we'll go into that deeper. Service. Service is Greek words is two words. Diakomia is to wait tables, right? We think of a server or service, waiting tables. It's often translated um, ministry, any act of service done in love. Um, Av has a beautiful servant's heart and operates in this gift. She helps with our children's ministry. She, but if we need it, she takes temperatures as we come in and writes down our names. And she does because she just wants to help, right? She wants to be of service. Where do you need me? That's her first words. Where do you need me? Where do you need me? And so that is a servant's heart, and that's operating in the gifts of service. The second word is Antilepsia, it's um, helping to help or aid in love in the community. So anytime anyone, Matt's back there, he's just pushing buttons. You don't think that's a big thing? It's a huge deal. It is a huge deal to push the buttons. So if I can't get a slide to move, the slides will move up here so you guys can watch them. And it takes the pressure off of Kim so she doesn't have to try to work, worry about video and sound and words and all that stuff. So that's a servant's heart, jumping in wherever you needed. Okay, teaching ROM. So ROM, I was putting them down just so I knew where they were all at, and then I forgot to take that one out. So teaching, um, Greek, diadic, 
diadaskalos is to teach, instruct, instill, um, instill doctrine, explain, and expound. Love to study God's word for extended period of times, house to a T, right? He went to 400 years of school to study God's word in Greek and Hebrew. He learned German and learns all these languages because he loves God's word and he wants to dive deep into it. And he's a fantastic, obviously he's a fantastic teacher. Um, and he likes to teach God's word. He likes to instill um, God's word into our hearts. And so teaching. Speaking in tongues, this is another one that we will be going over in a couple weeks. Um, glosso or glossolalia um, means tongues, right? Uh, also called gifts of language. Utterance of prayer or message glorifying God is usually what tongues is. Um, tongues and interpretation, which we went over earlier, really need to go together. The same person doesn't need to have both. But when you speak in tongues, it's usually good to have an interpreter there so that when God's giving us a message, the person can interpret it. Sometimes the message comes down. God's giving us a message. We speak in tongues. Sometimes we speak in tongues because we don't know what to say and we need to pray. Just like the guy in the story I read you. He didn't know what to say. He, he moaned. He groaned, barely speaking. He was speaking in tongues because there was no words to describe his fear, his pain, his agony. He probably wanted to die rather than live because he was in so much pain. And so he just blurted it out to God in tongues. So tongues. Is that one of the weird ones that you pawn at the bottom that you don't want? Yeah, it is usually is. House, yeah, I was going to tell you to come up. Wisdom. Um, Greek Sophia, that's my niece's name. She's going to be three on Saturday. Is intimate understanding of God's word and his commandments. Wisdom doesn't end in knowledge but is expressed in transformed hearts and lives. They speak with great understanding and righteous respect with the goal of um, guiding others toward life. I don't know. Linda's hands are up flailing. I don't know what that means. <laughs> All right, so that's what that is. And I don't know why I have a blank screen. Um, it doesn't matter what gifts you have if, um, let me see. Oh, I do know what that one was supposed to be. It doesn't matter what gifts you have, but you do have to do them in these thing, things. You have to live and function in love. If you have a gift, you have to live and function in love. You have to use your gifts to edify the body of Christ. That means the church, those around us. Do you walk hum and you must walk humbly and give all glory to God when you're using your gifts. And let's read this one. We're almost done. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. And yet I will show you the most excellent way. And he continues, If I speak in tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Oh, these were the practicalities. Hmm. Live and function in love. That's what Paul says. I'm just going to skip. Use your gifts to edify the body of the church and walk humbly with and give glory all to God. And 1 Peter 4.11, and this is where I end, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. House. It's a hard one. That's a lot. That's it's a, a lot. lot. That's a lot. A lot of stuff. We just wanted to introduce all the gifts and give some history of the use of the gifts. And we're blessed to be in a church that is excited about the gifts. I was told once that uh, if you just look at spiritual gifts and don't look at the Bible, you'll burn up. If you just look at the Bible and don't pay attention to the Holy Spirit, you'll dry up. But if you have the Word and the Spirit, you grow up. And so we want to be a church of word and spirit. We want to get deep into the word, and we also want a deep relationship with the Holy Spirit because the Bible is sufficient, but in some ways it's not. 
It never tells you who to marry. It never tells you where to move or what job to take. And for that, we need the direct guidance of the Holy Spirit working through his gifts. And we want to ground those things in the word. And I just feel a word from the Lord that I'm going to skip the announcements. So I'm going to. We're going to move to communion, and here's why. Lynn Theraldson in our men's group a couple weeks ago said something which just shook me in a good way. He said, Galatians 2.20 says, it's no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us. And if Christ lives in us, we have access to all the gifts. That's what Tamara mentioned earlier on. But I've never heard that before, but that makes so much sense. If Jesus lives in us, then Jesus can operate in how many of the gifts? All of the gifts. We have what it takes, not because of us, but because of, because of the Lord. And the Lord will operate in those gifts. And when we take communion, we invite the Lord into us, literally. And this little thing of bread is going to dissolve into your body. And it's going to go to thousands of cells in your body. And Jesus is going to be present as the bloodstream brings these little nutrients to all these spots everywhere. And Jesus said, this is my body. And this is my blood, the blood that that transports those nutrients to all those places. And I just think it's so encouraging when we take communion. When we take communion, Jesus says, I want to be living in you so that everything I can do, you can do. And as Tamara mentioned, Jesus said in John 14, 12, greater things than these you will do through me. He's still with us. He says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We might feel inadequate. I had quite a list of gifts that I don't want and a whole bunch that I need to operate in that I ask for. But we have more than enough with Christ in us. So I'd like you to take that little piece of bread and just look at it. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, gave it to his disciples, saying, take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Now repeat after me. If Jesus lives inside of me, everything he can do, I can do for him. I just receive the gift. These little cup things. Whoever came up with these before the pandemic is doing very well and will probably retire somewhere in the Bahamas. They're just, uh, people didn't pay attention to these things before this happened, but uh, it works out really well here. So take the cup and open the top. Again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it for them all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. Now, the only requirement in drinking this is that you have sin in your life, because he says this is for the Forgiveness of sin, to remind us that all of our sins are forgiven, all of our shortcomings, all of our missing the mark, all of our fumbling around. He cleanses all of that with this cup. So repeat after me. I believe that this cup is for the forgiveness of sins. And in drinking, I am reminded that there is nothing I have done or ever will do that the Lord will not forgive. Let's all receive that in faith. And Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Just repeat after me. I have what it takes because I have Jesus living inside of me. Lord, I just want to pray a blessing over everybody here. We just give you thanks, Lord, for Kim's worship leading, and we give you thanks, Lord, for Tamara's message. And we give you thanks, Lord, for these gifts that you've given us. 
We give you thanks for your Holy Spirit who continues to guide us directly. We give you thanks that we're in the presence of a God who speaks and that you've got way more talk than we've got listen. We give you thanks for your word, Lord, and we give you thanks that we are a people of your word, that we get into your word and we go after, like the Bereans, as Tamara was saying, having a Berean spirit to, to search the scriptures to see if these things are true. And Lord, you're not a neglectful parent who just gives us a book and says, no, I don't talk to you anymore. You gave us this wonderful book, and you continue to talk to us. Open our ears to hear what you have to say. We love you, Lord. We want more of you. We pray that you would bless everyone as we go about our way this week. Protect us, Lord. Protect everyone within the sound of my voice from this pandemic. Give us supernatural protection. Let your holy angels have charge over us. We pray, Lord, uh, for healing for everyone who has been infected. We pray for wisdom as we go through these ridiculously worded propositions that are so hard to figure out. We pray, Lord, that you'd help us to find the truth like the Bereans in the middle of these things so we can vote in a way that would bless you. We pray, Lord, for wisdom for our nation as we choose leaders coming up. And we pray, Lord, for our leaders who are now in place, our governor, our president, the mayor, wherever we are throughout the world praying together. We pray for wisdom for them, spiritual gifted, spiritually gifted wisdom, and that they would ground everything they do in your word. And we pray all this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Have a great week. We will see you again next week. Looking forward to it. We're going to continue speaking on spiritual gifts. And by the time late November, early December rolls around, we're going to be very uh, fluent and understanding in what the gifts are about. And we're all going to know which way the Lord is leading us into operating in the gifts. I'm looking out at a very gifted group here. I'm very blessed to see you. Those of you who can make it here in person, it would bless us if you did show up. I, I look at the people here, and you guys are so faithful. And uh, God always blesses the remnant. That is the story of the Bible. So let's be that remnant and uh, receive his blessing for that. Have a great week, and I'll see you again soon.